You're listening to a sermon preached at Redeeming Life Church. Good morning. Good morning. If you want to grab your Bible and make your way to the 23rd Psalm, we're going to continue in the 23rd Psalm, this series that uh, is just taking us through this wonderful and precious Psalm. If you want to make your way there, if you're using one of those pew Bibles, by the way, that's on page 483, I believe, and uh, that might make it quick for you to find it, or if you're using the version event, there's a lot of extra material in there, plus the psalm, so you can find us there as well. Let's go ahead and read God's Word together. The 23rd Psalm, I'm just going to read all of it so we have it in context. The Lord is my shepherd, I have what he needs, well, I have what I need. He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He renews my life. He leads me along the right paths for his namesake. Even when I go through the darkest valley, I fear no danger, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Only goodness... And faithful love will pursue me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord as long as I live. Let's pray. Lord, as we open your word, as we we hope to hear from you, God, I ask that you would prepare our hearts to receive what you have to say. Help us to see clearly what's here. Help me to speak it concisely and, and rightly, that it would lead us to know you better and love you more. God, thank you for your word. Thank you that you're the good shepherd. Thank you for our opportunity to gather this morning around the reading of your word and the prayers and even the announcements of the ministries that are happening and the, the, the words sung, Lord, and our praises in music, Lord. And now as we sit and hear from you, I, I just ask that it would continually be an act of worship in our hearts, that you would stir in our souls, that you would shape our minds. Lord, be with those who can't be in here with us in person, who are at home or shut in, or simply traveling, or, or something else. Lord, bless them abundantly, and speak to them as well. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, by way of reminder, we are working our way through the 23rd Psalm, one verse at a time, and uh, each one of those verses, we need to remember, relates to the other verses that are around it. They don't stand in a vacuum. They don't, they're not free from one another. They, they're connected. And these first four verses are an analogy which is using a shepherd and sheep and creating a comparison in the analogy for us to see something about our Lord. So this means that if we're going to to understand what David the psalmist is saying about Jesus or about his Lord, about our Lord, we need to see that he's saying something about sheep. We need to understand the analogy and that'll help us to apply that meaning that we understand about sheep to our Lord. And let us also remember, again, I've been, I've been talking about this weekly, but let us not forget that this is a poem. It's using flowery language. It's using certain structure. It's using certain things that are, that are poetic in nature. And in this particular poem, we have these clauses that have a chief statement followed by a clarifying clause. So every statement is moving along and it says something, and then it comes along and it clarifies what it says. So the same is true here. And as we see that, and as we see what's happening in the poem, we should be able to see something from each line that helps us know something about our Lord better. Okay, so with all the background in mind, let's go ahead and jump into 
The third verse, that's the one we are in now, it says, He renews my life. He leads me along right paths for his namesake. Some translations, and maybe one you're reading from, instead of using the word renews, it says something like refreshes. Or uh, it says restores. He refreshes my life. Or he restores my soul. Or, or something like that. Okay, renews, refreshes, restores. The point is the same. There's not a major difference with these words. The point is that the sheep were in a place. They, they were in a state where they needed to be restored, and they needed to be refreshed, and they needed to be uh, renewed. And the shepherd is the one who brings them to the place where they can be. This can go a couple ways for sheep. I mean, I don't know a lot about sheep, but I know this can go a couple ways for sheep. Either, if I'm reading this correctly, the, the sheep that needs restored, or the sheep plural, uh, that needs to be renewed, were hanging out with the flock at one point, they knew the shepherd at one point. Everything was peachy, but then they got off somewhere and, and got lost, and the shepherd had to go find them. Okay, so they were in the, the flock, they knew the flock, and then something happened. Or the other op- option is that they never were a part of the flock, and they were just out there, and the shepherd came and found the sheep and brought the sheep into the flock. I think both of these are viable options, and I think both are actually life-giving, and I think, I'm not a sheep, but I think both of those sound pretty good if you're a sheep, because they bring you into this place where we read the, the shepherd is protecting them. Okay, so that's in the sheep analogy. What does that say about the Lord, and how does that help us to understand our relationship with, with us and the Lord together? Well, basically, it says the same thing. It's not a huge stretch. The shepherd or our Lord renews the sheep or or our life where we previously didn't have it. He's saying there was something and and now there's something better. And Jesus confirms that. He says that was his mission. That's what he was doing in Luke 19.10. I think this was the first verse my kids ever memorized. The Son of Man has come to seek and save the lost. Well, if you're lost, that implies you need sought out and saved renewed, restored. Jesus says that was his purpose. That's what's happening here. We were in a place where we needed this restoration and the shepherd gives it. That's a big deal. I don't think we, I don't think we rest in that enough. It's a big deal. Luke 15. And my challenge to you is that you would read this uh, at lunch or go through this. Luke 15 is one chapter teaching one big lesson about lostness and about being found But Jesus uses three back-to-back parables about lostness and being found. He uses them together. You might remember if you've read this, he uses the parable of the lost sheep, followed by the parable of the lost coin, followed by the parable of the two lost sons. It's worth noting, I think, if you're familiar with that, that the sheep that was lost was counted among the 100 before Jesus went to go, or excuse me, the shepherd in the parable goes to find it. There was 100 and then there was 99. That sheep was counted among the, the flock owned by the shepherd. I think it's equally worth noting that the coin that the woman lost was numbered among the 10. Before it was lost, she had it. 
It was hers, it was lost, and she had to search for it. And the two sons, and a lot of us know this is the parable of the prodigal son, and we, we forget the other, but it's two sons. Okay, one went off into the world, the party, the world's way, and the other, who never left, wouldn't go to the father's party. It's two lost sons, and the whole time, let's remember, they were still sons. They were still in the family. What's my point? Why am I sharing that? Well, my point is that even before we've ever been with the flock, hanging out, we're familiar with the shepherd, we're enjoying that, we've been numbered among Jesus' sheep. My point is that Jesus knows who he's seeking and coming after to save. He's not just looking for some random haphazard lost person out there. Oh, there's one. The shepherd is not just wandering the wilderness in hopes of finding a lost sheep and going, oh, I'm going to add this one to my flock. No. The shepherd goes after a sheep he knows. Jesus comes after the people he knows. We're numbered with him before he comes to rescue us. Even if we're never ever aware of or haven't been uh, comfortable with or familiar with being in that flock, he knows us. Those he's seeking are his, even if at the moment they're still lost. There are some people who believe it's up to the sheep to decide whether they want to be a part of the flock, whether they want Jesus to be their shepherd. Ah, do I want to be in? Do I want to be lost? Okay, there are others who contend that the lost are already numbered among the flock. The technical term for that is the elect. We read about uh, Paul especially talking about the elect, those who are already in the flock, even if the shepherd hasn't brought them into the fold yet. They belong to the shepherd, but they still need renewed, rescued, and, and restored. I think Luke 15 is good evidence for this line of thinking, that we're numbered among his people even if he's coming after us, even if we're prodigal, even if we're partying with the world. We're, we're in the family. So that leads me to ask, is, the, is Psalm 23.3 here, is this talking about our salvation? Or is this talking about being preserved in our salvation, held on in our salvation. In other words, is this about the renewing that first time being brought in and joining the flock? Or is this about the times when we've been a part of the flock, we've gotten ourselves a little sideways, and we got ourselves out in the weeds, and Jesus has to come after us and bring us back? I think it could be about both. I think this could very well be talking about both of those circumstances, especially if you agree that the lost are numbered among Jesus' flock even when he's coming out to find them. I think it's talking about both. So I I suspect that most of you can relate to a time in your life when you felt lost and you needed renewed and you were struggling. And maybe you were a part of God's people and you participated in church before you ended up in that time, or maybe you didn't. But I think most of us can relate to a time like that. Some of you might be in that place right now. And you just feel like you need to be renewed. If you've been renewed by Jesus, if he's found you and he's brought you into the flock, how did Jesus restore you? What was the ways he did that? How how did that happen? I mean, how does that go? What does it look like? This brings me to the next part of uh, where I want to go. I want to look at the second clause here. 
It says, he leads me along right paths for his namesake. The first part, he renews my life. The second part, the detail, he leads me along right paths for his namesake. Now, let's remember, this is analogy. This is a discussion about a shepherd and sheep first, and then by understanding that, it helps us to understand Jesus. So before we just jump right to Jesus and how Jesus leads us human beings, let's pause and let's, let's just ask, what does this mean for a sheep, an actual bah, fluffy sheep, to be led on a right path? Think about that for a minute. In the previous verse, we see the sheep, if we're still thinking the sheep, are being made or allowed to lay down in green pastures and rest. And they're being led to quiet waters. They're in this beautiful place. But there's a path and there's, there's a, a leading. So this suggests that they, maybe they don't stay there. Or maybe they travel to and, and from place to place. Or maybe they travel between this place and that place. Or maybe they're on their way there. But there's a path. So it's not that we're just plucked up and put there. The sheep are not there permanently. There's a path. There's a journey. There's something there. There's a picture of traveling and, and needing to be led. So I suppose that being led on the right path means there could be a wrong path. Or maybe many wrong paths. If you're a sheep, maybe there's a rocky path. Maybe there are steep paths to go up and down steep hills. Maybe there are windy, curvy paths. Maybe there are paths that put the sheep in danger in some way or another. Maybe there are paths that are just really long and tiring and they're just the wrong path. But this shepherd in this psalm leads the sheep on the right path. So now going from the shepherd-sheep analogy to what we can learn about our Lord, we need to remember that the Lord provides us with good provision. That was in the previous verse. He has a wonderful place of rest for us. And so it seems that he's leading us to this glorious home where we'll be with him forever. But there's a path. There's a journey. So let me ask you, is there, is there, have you ever seen, have you ever been on a wrong path in this life? You ever made a wrong turn somewhere and gone, how did I get here? There are wrong paths in this life, aren't there? There are paths that do not lead to good places. Some of us have been down those paths a few times, we know. Some of us have been down those paths so many times, you start looking around and going, wait a minute, I, I know where this is going to take me. We know there are some bad paths some of you are on one of those paths right now not all paths are the same are they jesus even warns us he says in matthew 7 13 through 14 enter through the narrow gate for the gate is wide and the road broad that leads to destruction okay that's a bad path and there are many who go through it how narrow is the gate and difficult the road that leads to life and few find it now, you're probably thinking or maybe you're asking, how do I find the right path? How do I find that? And that's the problem. You will never find the path if you're looking for the path. But I'm looking for the path that leads to God. Well, you're never going to find it. 
Lots of people are looking for that path. They're dabbling over here, dabbling over here, trying this one, trying... Lots of people are saying, I'm looking for the path that leads me to God, and they will never, ever find it. And if you're looking, stop looking for the path. You don't need to know where the path is to find it. You need to know that the Good Shepherd will lead you on the right path. And therefore, if you're looking for the Good Shepherd and you're following him, guess where you are? On the right path. Stop looking for the path. Look for the shepherd. He's got it. He'll take you there. You'll be fine. John 10, it shows us, and we talked about it a lot here in the last few weeks, Jesus says he leads the sheep with his voice. And they recognize his voice, and they they know him, and they follow him. Jesus leads Where? Where does he lead to? You don't need to worry about that. He's got you on the right path. Just trust him. It's that simple. Look for the shepherd. Follow the shepherd and you'll be just fine. So if you're looking around and and you don't see him, you're not on the right path. Look for the shepherd. Okay then. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. If that's the case, then how do I find Jesus? How do I find him? Here's the interesting part. He finds you. This is where it's a little bit of a mind bender. He finds you, but he uses you seeking him as his means to find you. Like, what? No, seriously, he uses your effort to seek him as his mechanism by which he's finding you. Isaiah 42, 16, it's a, it's a promise from God, and it says, I will lead the blind by a way they did not know. I will guide them on paths they have not known. I will turn darkness to light in front of them and rough places into level ground. This is what I will do for them, and I will not abandon them. So as Jesus is leading you in this way, as he's, as he's taking you, the blind person, on rough ground, and he's, he's actually making what's ahead of you light so that you can see. It, the, the blindness is breaking away. So maybe if you're not familiar with his voice, maybe if you're blind, maybe if you're deaf, maybe if you're not familiar, you've never been on these paths, maybe he's still leading you out of darkness so that you'll start to see this light. Well, what does that look like? Well, first of all, if you don't know Jesus and you're not familiar with what it means to follow him and you're sitting in here, what is that about? What in the world would cause you to be here this morning? I think that might be Jesus leading you. He's leading you in a way that pretty soon you're going to start to see. Maybe you stumbled onto this online, right? And you, Why? Well, maybe because he's leading the blind, you. Maybe you have a new curiosity about God. That's what it was for me. Man, my curiosity about God was just tremendous. And I needed to have that curiosity fulfilled. I read the whole Bible before I became a Christian. I wanted to know. I talked to people. I had quite, well, why? What would be the reason for a blind person wanting to see such a thing? That's Jesus leading. That's you coming through this darkness in to the light. Maybe you're in a major crisis. Life has taken a really difficult turn. You don't know what to do. And you just so happen to stumble into this place. Huh. 
Interesting. Could it be that Jesus is leading you so that you might see, so that you might hear, that you might recognize his voice? How is he leading you as you're, you're seeking in this way? And it's little by little, and, and maybe it doesn't make a lot of sense at first, but it's becoming more and more and more and more prevalent, and pretty soon it's just light. And you can see, and you can hear, and all of a sudden you're going, well, that's Jesus' voice. I'm, I'm following his voice. You go, well, how'd you figure that out? I don't know. He just led me to it. And here I am. He was speaking to a really apathetic, lukewarm church, Jesus was. This church that wanted to be so much like their worldly neighbors, and he had some concerns, and he, he, and he says this to them. And listen, he said, see, see, look, see, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and eat with him and he with me. Ah, we'll have a relationship. That's Revelation 3.20 if you want to look at that later. Jesus was, was calling to them saying, look, if, if you can see, if your eyes are being opened, he puts a big charge here. Stop looking like the world. And if you want, we can have this relationship. He's calling them back. If you can hear, if you hear my voice, and he's using this picture of the knocking, open the door and follow him. He wants to have a relationship with you. Inversely, he says it a different way while preaching on the Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew 7, 7 through 8, Jesus gives this invitation. He's preached a sermon and he's constantly saying, anyone who has ears to hear, anyone who has eyes to see. And then he gives us this. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. There's the call. That's Jesus calling upon you two different ways. In one way, he's calling you to to open the door, and another way is calling upon you to knock. In both ways, he's saying, let's have a relationship together. And all you got to do is see and hear, and he's leading you into the light. The invitation is open to you if you're hearing that knocking. And it probably doesn't sound like that. Probably sounds like Jesus saying, come, follow me. You're feeling this weird compulsion. I need to. I can't resist that. Open the door. Take a step. Trust him. And he'll lead you on the right path to green meadows and still waters. He will be a good shepherd if you'll have him. He's seeking after you. And he's using your seeking him as his means to find you. Now, many of you in here already know his voice. You're already following him faithfully. And some of you have been doing that for many years. He leads you on right paths. And you're familiar with what that looks like. And you enjoy that. And he's still leading you. Don't forget that. He is still leading you, even right now. I had the privilege this last week to meet with two individuals that are quite a bit more senior, three individuals that are quite a bit more senior than me. A lot more senior, like twice as much, more than twice as senior as me. Is God still leading them? You bet. They've been walking with Jesus for a long time. 
and they are still being led. There is still a need for a shepherd. It's not over for them yet. They're not forever in those green pastures by the still waters with the shepherd permanently. There is still a need for this shepherd, and he's leading you, and he's leading me. How does he do it? What what does that look like? Well, here's how it works. The verses you just heard, maybe something we've sang in the song, God is using that to whisper in your ears. Maybe as you're doing your morning reading and you go, whoa, oh, wow, this is the truth of God. I need to follow. And if I don't, I'm going to be off the right path. I won't be following Jesus. In this case, he called me to forgive that person that I'm so grumbly about, I'm, I'm gossiping about, I'm angry with. He's calling me to forgive. Or maybe he's calling you to serve your brothers and sisters in some way. But I don't want to. But maybe he's calling you. Maybe he's calling you to share the gospel with a coworker or a friend. Or be generous. Or worship. Some of you, you know, you're, just, you're afraid to even sing a song with your brothers and sisters. But he's calling you. Just worship. Just let it go. He leads us to love one another. To be selfless. You guys know what it is. You know what this is like. If you're following Jesus, you've experienced these little leading calls before. And they're not always easy. They're not always easy. I, I, I want to share a challenging story that my son shared with me last night. And he gave me permission to share this and not even pay him. So, <laughs> this one's free. <laughs> Asher works at... Uh, at a restaurant that has a lot of kids that work there. I'm pretty sure he is the only Baptist there. And a, and a cute young woman came back to the, the back where he works and asked him if he'd be interested in going to a movie. Going out to dinner. And when I was 16, that would have been the best thing that had ever happened in my life. And he said, but I had to tell her, you know, I, I just can't do that. Because you and I don't share the same beliefs about Jesus. And so I have to follow Jesus leading. He didn't say this to her, but that's what he was doing. To be faithful to Jesus, even though I'd really like to go on a date with you. I'm really proud of my son for that. Because I, yeah, I, good, I have a... I have a hard time following the leading in those difficult moments. And maybe you do too. When you're thinking about the consequences. Because there's more to the story. I think this is the more significant part of the story. This young, cute girl asked my son in front of his co-workers back there in the kitchen. So of course when she leaves, they're like, What are you thinking? What are you doing? You must be out of your mind. right? So he now has to then... Explain to them. Well, you see, I follow Jesus, and I want the woman who I date to follow Jesus too. And so now he's talking to his co-workers. Most of you have all gone to work. You know what that is like. That is an awkward moment, right? I don't suspect that my son will always follow Jesus perfectly. I sure hope he does. But what an example to me of what it means to follow Christ's leading even in some of those hard places, because he wants to stay on the right path. That's what it means to follow Jesus leading. Doing that right thing, even when it's hard, because you know it's the good shepherd leading you to it.
That's what it looks like. He's leading you. He's calling you on the right paths. If you're hearing Jesus, if you're, if you're kind of off, you know, sometimes you remember, you're, like kind of, you're kind of off, and all of a sudden he's, hey, you're kind of off. Come on, get back on the path here. Maybe that's where you're at today. And if you are, I just want to encourage you, follow the good shepherd. Follow Jesus. Because his path is right. And all the rest lead to destruction. You just keep your eye on him. And you follow him because he is leading you. And that is how he renews you. And that is how he restores you day by day. He's restoring your life and sustaining your life and guiding you and leading you. Because he's the good shepherd. Do you ever why? Ever wonder why God does it like this? This isn't easy. Why does he do it this way? Sometimes I wonder, why in the world does he even save people? Especially that person. What were you thinking? I mean, what is going on there? Have you ever just stopped to say, man, why, why does it work this way? Often we are so selfish we selfishly take the redemptive work of God, his, his death on the cross, his shedding of blood for us, his, his taking on the entire wrath for our sin. We take all of that. And then he's laid in the grave and he's, he's raised from the dead. We take all that and then we selfishly take that work and, and we think that somehow that's all about us. Oh, that's all about our lives. That, all that he did, that, that's about me. I mean, of course Jesus loves me because I'm awesome. Of course he leads me. I mean, he's my personal navigator when I tell him where to go. Isn't that how we think? Isn't that what we do? We take all that he's done, we make it about ourselves. So this brings me to my last question. Why does the shepherd renew our lives and lead us on these paths? Why? It's a very reasonable question, and luckily the Bible gives us an answer. Go ahead and look back down at the verse. He renews my life. He leads me along the right paths for His name's sake. Why are you doing that? For His name's sake? That's why. What does that mean? It means He saved you for His glory. Not your glory. And not to make you amazing. Although that does make you pretty amazing. He didn't do it for that reason. He did it for his own glory. He saves and he leads you to show the world who he is and what he does. He's showing the world through you. He saves you to build his kingdom, not yours. Which is why this thing we sometimes hear called the prosperity gospel is the prosperity lie. He's not building your kingdom. He's building his He renewed your life. And he gave you this salvation for him. It's about him. Now, I'd like to show you from God's word if I can. And I'm going to warn you, I'm going to read a difficult word for most of us because we're prideful and we struggle with this. But if you would turn with me to Ezekiel 36. If you're using the Pew Bible, it's on page 768. Ezekiel 36, I'm going to read verses 22 through 31. I think we'll also have it on the screen. Before I do this, I want to tell you that that this section of Scripture opens with a pretty harsh word. It's not easy. He, He literally says here, 
verse 16, 17, their behavior before me was like menstrual impurity. I mean, that's gross. That's serious. He's saying all that they were was just junk, nasty, gross, awful. And he goes on to explain that and what he did, and it's bad. They profaned his holy name just by their behavior. So now, with that as the backdrop, listen to verse 22, for the purpose of understanding why would God save me. It says, therefore, say to the house of Israel, this is what the Lord God says. It is not for your sake that I will act. House of Israel, it is not for your sake that I will act, but for my holy name which you profaned among the nations where you went. I will honor the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, the name you have profaned among them. The nations will know that I am Lord. This is the declaration of God. When I demonstrate my holiness through you in their sight, For I will take you from the nations and gather you from all the countries and I will bring you into your own land and I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will place my spirit within you and cause you to follow my statutes and carefully observe my ordinances. You will live in the land that I gave your fathers. You will be my people and I will be your God. I will save you from all your uncleanness. I will summon the grain and make it plentiful and I will not bring famine on you. I will also make the fruit of the trees and the produce of the field plentiful so that you will no longer experience reproach among the nations on account of famine. You will remember your evil ways and your deeds that were not good. And you will loathe yourself for your iniquity and detestable practices. It is not for your sake that I will act. This is the declaration of the Lord. Let this be known to you. God renews you and he renews me for his glory. He saves you for his namesake. It's about his glory. It's about his reputation. It's about his kingdom. This is why we take on his name, Christian, rather than demanding he take on ours. By the way, there's no hyphenating this thing. I'm going to have his name and my name with a hyphen. We take on his name because we are now part of his family. This is why he gets to tell us what it means to have his name. He gets to define what that name means. He gets to say what it means when we call ourselves Christians. We don't get to say what that means. He says what it means. And this is why we worship him. And it's why we don't demand that he worship us. This is why we serve him. And why we 
don't demand that he serve us. He renews my life. He leads me along the right paths for his name's sake. But there's something really cool about this. I don't want you to miss it. We get to be benefactors of this great work he's doing. We get to enjoy it. We get to enjoy him. We get to be blessed by it as he's glorifying himself and building his own kingdom. We get to be benefactors of his glorious, redemptive, renewing work. The work that he did on the cross. The work that he's doing to make his name known. We get to be a part of it. We get to be saved. We get renewed. We get led on right paths to green meadows and quiet waters. And above all, we get the good shepherd. Above all, we get Jesus. He renews our life. And he leads us on right paths for his name's sake and we get the benefit. Would you pray with me? Lord, I I hope, God, that we see and recognize that we profaned your name and, and I hope, Lord, there's a sense that we are ashamed of that. But God, I hope it leads us to worship you because you've made us clean. You've given us a new heart. You've put the spirit to dwell in us. Let us not miss the magnitude and the beauty and the glory of what you have done in all of that. Lord, thank you for leading us on right paths. God, if there's anyone in here who doesn't know how to find you and look to you and say, oh, I want to follow you, Lord, Open their eyes and save them, that they would see you and follow you. If there are any in here, Lord, that have stumbled off that path and they're looking back to you, Lord, guide them back. Bring them back. Lead them. Lord, lead us as a church. Lord, and let it be for your name's sake. Let we as a church, we as individuals, as we follow you, Lord, let it be to glorify you, to make your name known, to build your kingdom. Take away our selfish desires and attitudes, Lord, and let it all be for you, for your glory and for your wonder. As we worship you, Lord, let us be worshiping you. As we serve you, Lord, let it not be about selfish reasons, but for you. God, I just pray you'd keep leading us. We'd keep our eyes fixed on you, and and Lord, that 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 view would be clear. That we wouldn't be tempted to step off the path but we would be in continual, deep, rich desire to follow you because we know where you're taking us and we know who you are. And Lord, we just seek to be with you. It's in Jesus' name, amen. We'd love to have you as our guest. For more information, visit redeeminglifeutah.org.